Ladies and gentlemen, very welcome. Today, I am really excited. I have Nate Brown here with me. He is one thought leader in customer experience. I was following him since years in LinkedIn. I had the chance to meet him at the International Customer Experience Awards. And now he's here and he's real. He's real with us. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> well, good morning. Thank you so much, Gregorio. Thank you, everybody, for having me. Thrilled to be here. Thank you very much. Um, Nate, I think the best way if uh, you are here, it's really to ask you questions and then please give us your science, your thoughts about what you're doing. But first of all, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Nate Brown. I'm a, a student of customer experience. I just love this topic. I just think it's the best way to help organizations and to help people as far as reducing the stress and friction that is out there. It is making people's lives better and easier through this work, I just think is awesome. And it, it is the way that we collect customer loyalty in the organization. Uh, so I started in customer service and just became aware of this, this holistic approach to CX and was like, wow, I, I want to learn. So I just started consuming books and material on this and learning from, from influencers that were out there and and uh, just have enjoyed creating my own uh, methodology around this and, and serving inside of uh, Officium Labs, as well as creating CX Accelerator, which is a virtual community for CX professionals. And, and inside of Officium, I get to lead our Experience Matters division, which is doing all kinds of things to help to create incredible customer experiences, including CX in a box and different trainings and audits that we can do. Uh, so it's, it's been an awesome year. Thank you very much, Nate. And it's really a great pleasure, not only for me, but for the audience to having you with us. Um, if you are a student of customer experience, then let's say I am a baby and I'm trying <laughs> to learn speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And let, let's go really to the topic. The last time we, we chat, we had a private uh, discussion about uh, learning and you showed me a really a great and interesting framework about uh, learning. Could you please explain that uh, eye level and then we will deep dive on this topic? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, especially as we think about customer service, knowledge is the lifeblood of a customer service environment. But even inside of the larger organization, our ability to curate and to manage intelligence inside of the organization, that's going to determine our ability to serve customers well. Uh, there's some great statistics that are out there from G2 Crowd and 8x8 indicating that people spend a tremendous amount of time, wasted time, every day searching for answers that are trapped inside of individual people because it hasn't properly been shared inside of a centralized management uh, process of knowledge. So the, the more that we can be generous with the things that we're learning, that we can be learning from these customer interactions, it, it powers intelligence around AI in our self-service capabilities, as well as making everybody else in the organization smarter and more capable of facilitating quick and easy resolutions. So that the training part is, is just a huge aspect of that. And uh, I've been helping to develop some different training programs inside of our customers inside of Officium Labs and have learned a lot on this topic over the course of the year, just in terms of getting people excited about learning and trying to create a culture in which learning is an everyday thing. And it happens in a variety of ways. You, you've got your quick hit, your moment of need type of learning that you're queuing up in the form of mini modules or even smaller than that, just quick bite-sized learnings, maybe even doing like a short weekly podcast of here's, here's the top five things you need to know this week. 
that are customer facing issues. This is going to keep you in the know and able to resolve things quickly and, and being able to create those, those miniaturized forms of learning. But then also, you know, as things culminate, as trends are formed, creating really good, really engaging learning material around that using the Addy model that will help people to be able to onboard faster and to be able to resolve more effectively. But then even beyond that, just in terms of our, our day-to-day, our job-based training, thinking about how can we upskill these agents? How can we upskill the organization in the area of CX and in other areas too? And just in terms of getting people excited about their own abilities increasing, their own potential rising because they're learning every day, uh, doing book clubs, things like that. Uh, that's something that I've been doing with the team right now, uh, going through fusion, going through radical candor. Uh, we, we have one inside of a fishing that we're doing on the effortless experience and, and actually giving others the opportunity to equip and to train each other. That peer-to-peer learning aspect is so big. And I think a lot of organizations miss out on that where they try and create these top-down training models all the time. Creating an environment in which people can learn from one another is, is a very edifying and very encouraging experience. And, and it's something that needs to be built in intentionally. I, I fully agree with you. And, uh, and I think that's what I really like in, in our customer experience community, people willing to share and sharing know-how. And these are really great insights. And I can, I can quote somebody I heard in the last, uh, in, the last um, in one of the last webinar I looked at, you see the CFO asking uh, uh, how much do we spend to train people if then these people are leaving because today people are leaving. Yeah. And, uh, and one guy said, yes, it costs quite a lot, but think about not training people, not giving something to learn to people if they would stay the complete life with us. Yeah, that's a that's a mic drop moment for a, for a training professional, for sure. I, I just feel like the, there's there's a new term that is out there that I'm hearing more and more. It's the learning experience. And in sure. the fact that we're bringing experience design into every area of the business, including training, and that we're acknowledging that this is an experience that we're creating, I just think it's awesome. Yeah, I fully agree. And there, again, there are quite a lot of great examples. Also using gamification to learn something, mm. that you get your points, you, you can then buy something or something like that. It's helping another way to, to learn and to come through this process because at the end we always need to learn we want to learn most of the people are keen to learn new things and and therefore more than more than more than happy to to deep dive i think the first point you mentioned in the framework was uh, learning culture uh, i really like to learn therefore i'm doing these uh, webcasts these discussions and yeah. i'm reading books i saw the fusion book that uh, that that's something on my to-do list that I want to read. You spoke about the effortless, cast, uh, the effortless experience. This is mm-hmm. from Matt Dixon. One great book that changed the way I was thinking about effort and uh, and uh, creating wow moments. Um, could you please elaborate a bit about this learning culture at the first point? Yeah, for sure. So the, the, the idea of learning culture, and if you look up learning culture inside of different organizations, you'll actually see some pillars that are represented in terms of how do we want people to engage with us as a learner? What is it about this learning experience that's going to be unique and distinctive to us? And as an example, uh, some, some organizations would say, we want people to learn a little bit every day. 
We want every day to represent a new learning opportunity for you. Others might have more of lifetime learner type of culture where we want to be creating building blocks, big, big foundational building blocks on which we're establishing and, and bringing somebody from, from a new employee inside of the organization to this experienced career professional that's going to have a great deal of loyalty back to the organization and, and capabilities as well because of the skills that they've earned. Uh, you, you might have more of a culture of we want to be knowledge experts. We want to be laser focused in a particular area. Uh, UL, an organization I served inside of, inside of their mission, inside of their learning culture, it was all about we want to be the best, the most knowledgeable, the highest quality thought leaders in the area of safety science. It was like in this area, we want to be well known as the best and smartest. And, and they would equip people to, to be that way. They would equip them with the resources and, and the different learning opportunities inside of UL, their GLP program and other things that were just incredible in terms of, of helping people to grow in that way. So whether it's, it's ultra focused on a particular niche or whether it's uh, just learning something new every day or becoming this established professional uh, and focused on the individual and their growth path, uh, having some, some concept of your learning culture and those pillars is a really good and health, healthy thing. I'm, I think that's, that's really important and, and really interesting. Also having these, these different ideas and having a vision and trying also to achieve that, enabling and empowering people then to learn something. Perhaps a side question. Uh, you mentioned three different, three different options. What are you following personally from your point of view? You want to learn something every day or you want to be super focused? What's your strategy, your personal strategy? That's a strategy? good question. I appreciate that. Uh, I, right now, um, I mean, just for my own mental health, uh, you know, I've, I've got a great executive coach, Steve Gutzler, and he's challenged me to, to just read something good and encouraging every day, the first part of my day. Uh, this morning, I was reading a book called Raising Chickens. <laughs> but, but I've been mostly in the morning reading a book called Tribal Leadership. And, and Jerry Leisure, our CEO, had me reading The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. And, and these are things that are, they're not too heavy, but they're really good, solid things that are just encouraging for me and get me on a good foundation emotionally on which to stand the rest of my day. So I, I think that's just, uh, just in terms of that learning every day type of thing. That is, that is something that I'm doing. It could be professional. It could be more personal, just trying to read a little bit every morning. But then two, I, I'm becoming micro-focused in the area of, of CX uh, specifically in the area of just like encouraging change management and encouraging a great employee experience inside of organizations to create the foundation for great CX. I, I want that to be like my legacy in this area is, is just equipping CX leaders for, to stand the test of time <laughs> and, and to be able to do this work really well for the long term. So I, I'm trying to think through what that, what the ramification is that is that for me? Like, how can I equip myself um, to be able to learn more and then give more back in that area? And you are really linking what you're do, doing privately with what you are explaining in business because Indeed. you define now your vision and you are defining also the step to achieve this vision. One, one question that I was wondering, you spoke about reading. It's also about uh, podcast listening or watching webinars. What's your preferred way to learn? I, I like to read. For me, I, I do a lot of audible books. 
and I and I do just read hard copy books. I I do like having just a good solid hard copy because I take a lot of notes inside of the book. I go through and I, I've got one master document of all these different books combined and the and the elements that I want to make sure that I remember because they really stand out to me. So having that ability to to go through in my own time. <laughs> Uh, in, inside of a book and, and digest that and think through it and take notes on that is really good and important. I do like some podcasts that are out there, uh, but I, I've, especially being that I'm not commuting into the office anymore, uh, it, is, it is hard for me to, to take the time to listen to some of those. Um, when I'm out taking a walk, I'll, I'll listen to uh, some, some guilty science fiction, some guilty pleasure type reading. Right now I'm doing Ready Player Two uh, that that's more what I consume audibly is uh, is science fiction. <laughs> that, that's nice. Everybody has different hobbies, and I think it's important to link the the private life with business life. And you you need to do the stuff that you really like. Thank you very much. The next topic uh, we discussed the last time after the culture was uh, the strategic alignment within the company. Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, I think one of my favorite authors on this topic is definitely Jean Bliss. And, and she talks about the importance of creating your, your CX change coalition, how, however that's termed, but a group of cross-functional leaders that are serving together that are very much aligned in terms of CX is important, one, but then here's how we actually do it together, two. Everybody likes to say that CX is important getting strategic alignment on how it's done, <laughs> both from an employee and a customer experience standpoint, that's something most organizations wouldn't be able to sit and tell you, yeah, this is, this is our defined strategy around CX that all of our different leaders inside of the organization, they know this, they're bought in, they're participating in these levels. And that's what you've got to get to. And, and one of the things she talks about is identifying the power core that power core is going to make or break your ability to create a compelling, a, a, a good change coalition that's going to be able to get the momentum required to make a difference inside of the organization. So the power core is wherever the, the money is being spent, the future initiatives of the business, they're being looked in, into that division to be executed upon. And a lot of times it'll be like IT because they control the data science projects, the machine learning projects. Uh, a lot of times it might be sales. Let's acquire, let's acquire, let's acquire. Let's figure out what the right go-to-market strategy is to, to get more business. Uh, we we got to bring CX into whatever it is, whatever it is that the power core is. We have to offer CX as a gift to them and help them to realize, wow, if, if we do this, we will be more successful. And in, in, in terms of sales, your ability to acquire is based on your current reputation with your existing customers. <laughs> I mean, that, that is your ability to acquire. So, and if it's IT, your digital transformation initiative, the, the success of that is going to be dependent on your ability to bring good CX principles into that. I mean, you can't DX, you know, the, the digital experience. It, it is the experience on digital channels for your employees and customers. You can't do that in a silo without good CX principles. So whatever your power core is, when we bring CX to them, the CX initiative will be more successful and they will be more successful. I like very much what you are saying and not always speaking about customer experience, but also employee experience. Have because to. most of the companies 
are digitalizing digitizing only the piece that the customer sees and in the background you have old-fashioned system not working properly and then employees uh, have quite a lot of problem and issue to solving or servicing the customer and therefore i think that's 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 really nice based on the fact that you mentioned uh, jane bliss i think we you are speaking about chief customer officer the book Yep. And uh, that's a nice story. I was traveling from Zurich to Milan, Italy, and with the train, and I started reading the book in Zurich, and then uh, the train stopped. They said, oh, that's why they stopped him. And then I saw, oh, I already read 200 pages. We are in Milan. <laughs> I said, wow. Okay. <laughs> that that's was incredible. Incredible. It was really a great book, a lot of insights. And as you're saying, I like also to touch them. I did quite, I wrote quite a lot of notes. This mm. was an incredible book. And that's really the only one that I read from the start to the finish in one day, in one days or one travel to Milan. It was, it was incredible. It is great. The, after the strategic alignment, um, it's, it's clearly important. It's also the content of the learning. That was the third pillar that you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it's going back to the idea of, of training, and, and I deviated on that that second one around alignment, just to think about greater CX, even in, even beyond the the training aspect. But thinking on that third pillar in, in training, we, we want to make sure that the material is not just compliance based training, which is what people are used to. You know, we have this incredible tool around online training. <laughs> people being able to consume just about any type of media anywhere. And yet what we've created in, in corporate land is this just incredibly boring, incredibly watered down, just cover your butt company type of training where, where it's not at all designed to actually help the employee to learn and to grow and to be excited on the topic of learning. So whatever your learning culture is that you've defined and you're thinking about, we want people to, to be learning every day. We want them be, to be excited about their growth path. Does your content actually reflect that? <laughs> or did you buy something off the shelf that, it, that is literally just meant to be compliance-based training? And, and there's going to have to be a little bit of that. You know, We, we all live in an environment where so we got to check some boxes with the training program. That's okay. That should be like 10 to 20% of it. Whereas usually that's like 80 to 90% of it. What, what that other 80 to 90% should be is exciting material that, that is going to engage, that's going to help, that's going to grow the person. And that maybe they had a hand in creating, <laughs> uh, taking the, the thought leaders inside of your organizations at all levels and allowing them to engage, be a part of that material creation and take practice in that peer-to-peer -peer learning concept, doing hybrid training where it's not just online. You create many cohorts of people with similar learning objectives. You, you rally them together on a path where they get to graduate with one another. Not only do you get the, the incredible content online and offline, but you have the, the network that you've created within this cohort of people. And that ends up being the most powerful aspect of the training program for them is the relationships that they built. So content can take a lot of forms but we want to make sure that we're aligning the content with our learning culture that we're looking to create. Clear, and, and it's also important to understand who are the, the, the thought leader in different topics and then try to create a relationship and to get the, the knowledge and the know-how and the information. Um, there is a well, very well-known company in Switzerland, perhaps not, not in, in US, StarMind, and exactly what they are saying is their view is there are 
plenty of experts that know stuff. Important is to identify who is the expert for the topic I am looking for, and then trying to connect to him and to get the, the knowledge and the information. And I think this is the basis of what you are saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that relationship context in which we're, we're getting to get to know a person who's identified as a subject matter expert, as well as interface with the, the content, that brings both of them, it elevates both of them to a more exciting place. So sure. I, I think it's great when we bring people into the mix, we bring that human element into the training program, it, it makes it exciting for everyone. At the end, on one side or on the other side, on the side of the company or the, of the customer, there are humans and there are humans. And at the end, it's always a human to human relationship. And what you are saying, it, it's, it's extremely important. Um, after speaking about the content, um, let's talk about uh, the, the technology around that. You spoke about machine learning, artificial intelligence, AI and data and so on. What's your view on that? Yeah, in, in terms of the, the training aspect or, or larger CX? In training aspect, please. Yeah, so I mean, you do, you do got to have a great learning management system. You know, that's going to be the foundation of it. It's kind of like the CRM, customer relationship manager of, of the training aspect. You got to have that LMS, learning management system. But then looking outside and beyond of that, we, we want to make sure that uh, we have opportunities to engage with our mobile devices a lot in terms of quick hit types of training having good ability to do like push notifications of, oh, you know, here's, here's something that, that just got pushed out. Uh, that, that's something I should know right now in terms of as I interface with customers and, and getting that push notification onto your phone, uh, the, the gamified elements that are out there with, with different and not, and not having them be ultra competitive either. Having, having the collaborative idea of, of a cohort, a gamified cohort where you're working to achieve objectives together um, you know, we, I, think, I think you had the example of the zombie outbreak challenge listed. Uh, that's something that we did inside of Officium. I wouldn't necessarily call it training, but through our employee voice program, we learned, hey, people want to do even more in the area of wellness. And so what we did is we, we incorporated an app uh, where we, we were doing a zombie challenge together <laughs> and, and overcoming these obstacles in the form of, of killing zombies and getting to the safe house. And, uh, you know, it was something where we, we got people into a positive frame of mind. We got their steps going. We got their blood flowing. That put them in a place where they could learn. They could serve customers better. Um, so leveraging whatever technology they like and that they have access to on a regular basis, i.e. their phone probably, and incorporating that into the training technology is a great thing. But, I mean, most, most importantly, it, it's having a really good LMS that is well-organized where whatever it is that they want to learn in, they can come, they can self-service in terms of being able to enter into that learning path and, and be able to, to grow on their own time, on their own path in that way and have that great content available for them. Thank you, Nate. You, you killed, and I use the, the verb killed, my next question because I wanted to ask, who did win the zombie challenge, but you have said it's not about winning. And therefore I changed my question about how many zombies did you kill? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I killed probably a good 150 zombies in my last zombie challenge. I was, I was out there power stepping all day trying to kill zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. And let's 
close the loop around um, uh, this learning framework that you are explaining. The last piece, it's about people and processes. Uh, can you please double click also on this topic? Yeah, I think uh, the important thing here is, is that your leaders are in a state of mind where they're continually improving and developing. It's really easy to stand up a good training program and then walk away from it like you, like you got to a finish line. <laughs> and that's something that we, we do in CX2 accidentally. You know, I, I love uh, the John Coder model, how he talks about do not celebrate victory too early because it takes the wind out of everybody's sails. And they're like, well, I guess we already conquered this obstacle. And I'm just going to go back to, to whatever I was doing before. I mean, this is something that we want to embed in the culture to where it's an ongoing thing. So you've always got to be thinking of new creative ways to bring the training to your audience in a way that's going to engage them. As an example, uh, we, we had done uh, this global innovation group inside of one organization, GIG, we call it GIG. Yeah. And it was bringing people together in these little cohorts we gave them EX, employee experience data, CX data, and said, we want you to focus on a challenge. And we gave them some training around unique problem solving and, and CX principles. And then we actually gave them the responsibility of come up with a solution to this challenge, a way that we can enhance the experience here. And we created a little shark tank of different leaders in different areas of the company. And, and they got to ordain or essentially endorse the solution that was being put in front of them and say, I'm going to help you to execute on the solution that you created, or I'm going to, I'm going to help you to enhance this solution to where it will be even better. And uh, it was just an awesome thing. It was, it was creative. It was engaging for the employees that participated. We came up with some great solutions to some longstanding problems that were out there. So, I mean, aligning your people and, and your, and the strategy of this and breathing life into it on a regular basis that's really going to help it to not become just a program and not just something that you rolled out and you did it. And now it's just going to slowly die and people are going to get bored of it. You've got to keep that investment happening from a, from a strategic standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, if you want that learning culture to continue to grow. If I understand well, it's, it's not any, an initiative, a program or a project, but it's change management and on the long term and you will see the results at the end or let's say after the the after sometimes if we speak about uh, one example soccer the one playing with with the, the feet perhaps not very well known in in us but in, oh, in it Europe, it's uh, it's like if you would win 3-0 after the halftime and you start celebrating no because you have the second halftime and you need to focus and to Mm. let's say play and continue playing until the end and afterwards you can celebrate and win for sure you can celebrate milestones that you achieve but let's focus on on the target what really you what you really want to achieve yeah it's, it's easy to kick it into cruise control even as a cx leader you know, if we had a great quarter where nps is high or we had some kind of win it's like oh you know this, this is working i'm just going to start to coast but the, the customer is evolving too quickly. The business is changing too quickly. We have to be vigilant to resist that inertia and to keep the intensity up like that second half of a soccer game. There's no winning. There's no winning this game. You always are playing. You're always in the spotlight. And, and, and having that energy there is, is critical. 
Clear. And, uh, and I think let's score the, the last goal with you. Uh, we want to learn a bit more about Nate yourself. Um, we already spoke about the COVID situation. How are you trying to balance your work-life balance or let's say life-work balance? Because I like more to speak about what people uh, are doing during the, their life. Um, what you are doing? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've got a couple, a couple kiddos. I've got a 12 year old and a nine year old daughter. And, uh, we, <laughs> we were kind of wrestling for a while prior to COVID, um, as a family, you know, just being a little bit unfulfilled, I guess it was. You know, my, my kids wanted to have more, more animals, more experiences on, on some kind of property that we owned. And, and my wife was feeling the same way. And, I was wanting to do more travel and, and do more experiences outside of the home as a family. And uh, we, especially with, with COVID, we kind of came to a place and my wife actually used the term homesteading, which I had not really heard before, at least not heard in a way where it, it applied to me. It was like, you know, we can create something really good and special here as a family, our, our own space where we get to live out some of these mini dreams that we have. And so we bought four acres in a little town called Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville. And we bought chickens and we, we got ourselves a, a mini golden doodle dog. And uh, I, I built a, a disc golf course back here in this huge fire ring. And uh, we've just really been invested in this little plot of land and investing in each other with the level of intentionality that we had not before. And, and I feel like it's really been good and healthy to kind of get back to the land, get back to our roots a little bit, get back to our family of four. Um, this year has provided a unique opportunity to really be focused on that. Um, but now I, you know, I, I, having experienced this together as a family, I think we have a better foundation on which to go out. <laughs> I think we're in a healthier place as a family to where we can do a little bit of travel as things open back up and some things changes, some changes happen in the world. Um, but I, I think we, I think we have a better base now. I, I, I really like what, what you are saying. And it's from my side, it, it's exactly the same because I have more time for my family because I'm working from, from home and I really love to have lunch together with, uh, with my wife, with my, uh, I have only one child is three and a half years old. And I nice. really like, to have everyday lunch with them, to be together with them. It's clear we are in, in the business world. We need to work. We need to do what we need. But if we have much more time for our families and uh, also it, it's really great. And it's enriching also my personal experience, how what I'm doing, how I'm doing. It's, it's, extremely, it's extremely interesting also to grow in this new situation. Um, Nate, one question. If somebody has additional question, wants to follow up with you, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, hop on over to officiumlabs.io. We've got a lot of great material out there in the form of our Experience Matters podcast. We have different blogs and, and different things of that nature. So I'd love to interface with you there. And also uh, join CX Accelerator. It's a great community. It's very encouraging. Uh, would, would love for you to be a part of that with us. And uh, yeah, just, just stay hungry, be out there learning. And thank you so much for, for doing this awesome work as a CX professional. Thank you very much, Nate. May I ask the very last question for, uh, from my side? Um, there is specific thought, insight, 
the last gold nugget that you want to share with the audience? Who that's that's a good one. Um, definitely, just I mean, going back to the learning topic, be be learning a lot. <laughs> your your ability to give back, and, and as Steve Gutzler would say, your ability to be a, a fountain to others is is dependent on your fountain inputs into yourself. Bring good things into you mentally, physically, otherwise. Take care of yourself in these areas you will find that your ability to overflow with, with great abilities and great positive energy will be tenfold when you really take care of your own fountain inputs that are coming in. Uh, and it's just, there's a high burnout factor with this work of CX. We're giving, 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 and you will give yourself away. <laughs> you will give till you're dry if you don't be really intentional about bringing fountain inputs into you. So think about what those fountain inputs are. How can you improve even the quality and the quantity of those so that you can give more and give better to the people around you? Thank you very much, Nate. It was really a great pleasure to have you. It's, it's an outstanding discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. And thank you also to the audience for uh, watching this, uh, this uh, webcast. It was great. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. Grazie, Nate.